look at what your values are. That's the number one thing. And oftentimes we get really bogged down with the obligations that we have rather than what our values are. And so then our obligations become, I have to do this, this, and this, and I have to chart in the evenings. And I have to do all these things and be on this committee um, and all those things. Are these supporting my values, my personal values, my family values, um, the, the values uh, for our marriage? If they're not, then adjust the variables to the place where they are supporting that. And it might take a lot of shifting. It might be saying no, or saying I can't do that anymore, or I need to do this instead. But at the end of the day, nobody else is going to do that. And nobody else cares as much about you or your marriage or your family as you do. And so no one else is going to just out of the blue say, hey, it seems like, you know, you could use extra money. Um, let's give you some extra money because I bet that would help at home. And nobody's gonna say, hey, I bet you could use a couple extra hours per week. Let's get you a scribe so that you can do that. Hello and hola friends. Welcome to the Medicine, Marriage, and Money podcast, the only podcast for dual physician couples who want to achieve marital interdependence and financial freedom together. In this podcast, you will learn how to show up as the best version of yourself so that you can love intentionally and build a stronger and more financially savvy relationship with your spouse. And I am your host, a physician mom, a doctor's wife, and a life coach, Dr. Kate Mangona. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Have you ever considered a different way of practicing medicine? Whether you are burned out, need a change of pace, or are looking to supplement your income, Locum Tenens might be the solution for you. Not sure where to start? LocumStory.com is the place where you can get real, unbiased answers to your questions. They answer basic questions like, what is Locum Tenens? To more complex questions about pay ranges, taxes, various specialties, and how Locum Tenens can work for you, go to LocumStory.com or DrPodcastNetwork.com forward slash LocumStory and get the answers. Please help me welcome our guest on today's show of Medicine, Marriage, and Money, Dr. Phil Boucher. Dr. Boucher is a board-certified pediatrician who helps physicians focus their time and attention on what really matters. Dr. Boucher is a loving husband of 12 years and a father of five. His children range from two years to 10 years. His life mission is to help parents everywhere enjoy parenting more. Phil is also the host of multiple podcasts, including High Yield Physicians podcast and the Raising Good Parents podcast. Welcome, Phil, Dr. Phil Boucher. Thank you so much. Yeah, I, when I was like trying to think of things like Dr. Phil kind of was already stolen. So I, that, that's been the, the only struggle that I've had is like how to, what moniker to go by. So I, I appreciate that long introduction of the different things that I do. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Well, tell us a little bit about you. Where Where are you from? What, what are you doing? So um, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska, which is in the very middle of the country. And I grew up here. I did undergrad here and just went up the road to Omaha to the, the medical center in Omaha. I did my medical school there, my pediatrics residency there and at the Children's Hospital in Omaha. And then we came right back because we just love this community and getting to practice here has been something that I've always wanted to do. Uh, in addition to my practice, like you said, I have five kids. We have number sixes on the way for this summer. And then um, I have the podcast that I do and I am in the process of writing a book. I like to create. And so it's been really fun to kind of go on this journey of like creating different things, podcasts, videos, courses, all those different things. So that's kind of what where I get energy from outside of my practice and my, my family and those sorts of things. 
Wow. Oh my gosh. Yeah, we're going to get into how you have time or how you make time to do all these things. But first, let's talk about you and, and your wife. Like, when did you meet her? When, when did that happen? So we were both um, in undergrad and Catherine was going to work at a summer camp and I was going to work at the same summer camp and some of our mutual friends realized that we were both going to be working there. So we met before and started dating before we went to summer camp and then we kind of fell in love uh, over the summer at summer camp as camp counselors for for kids at a YMCA camp on Lake Okoboji. And then... um, went back to school after that and and kept dating and got married um, second year, no, between first and second year of medical school and started our family third year of medical school with our first child. Wow. Oh my gosh. Did you have any idea you'd be on child number six by now? No, definitely not. I come, I I have uh, one brother and then my parents adopted when I was a senior in high school. So I come from a smaller family. Catherine comes from a bigger family. She has five siblings. So she's um, number five of six. And so uh, there, you know, we're definitely leaning towards her family of origin in terms of children number. <laughs> okay. Oh my gosh. That's awesome. And, and you guys, I mean, it started early enough that, that she could do that. That's, oh my gosh, that's such a blessing. Yes, we love her. <laughs> what what exactly about Catherine did you fall in love with? You said it was over this the camp, the camp that summer camp. Right. I think, you know, the first thing was we both had a big emphasis on family, and that's an important thing. And our faith too. Um, we share that, and that was a big thing starting our relationship, um, is having that mutual faith. And then I think the things that that I fell in love with her was, I mean, summer camp was interesting because you're worked really hard. It's like residency in terms of the hour. I mean, you, you're like on for like six days straight and then you have like 24 hours off. And so you get to see the real person just like you do in residency. Um, but seeing the way that she interacted with her, the, the, the kid, the camp counselor kit or the camp kids. And then also um, with with the other people and, and all of those things just kind of led to that. Wow, this is somebody that has a huge heart and is funny and um, we have shared interests and all those things that just, just led that way. Ah, nice. Yeah. The way she interacts with other people. And and then what, what happened next? Like uh, when did you end up proposing? You said it was during the first and second year of medical school. Yep. So after um, I, so fourth year of senior year, they call it senior, sophomore, junior, uh, in college, senior year of um, undergrad, I proposed. And our first date, we went and played Scrabble at Starbucks. It was kind of a non-traditional first date, I guess. We got coffee and bagels and it was um, like the day before Easter. And we went to Starbucks and played Scrabble. And weirdly enough, my dad um, stopped by Starbucks, just totally out of the blue. Like I did not, it's, it was by his office. And so he ended up there. So he got to meet her on our very first date. Um, and then, uh, so for the proposal, I actually uh, basically recreated our, our first date and proposed on a Scrabble board. So I, you know, before um, we got together, I glued all, I super glued all the pieces on like, Catherine, I love you. Will you marry me on the Scrabble board? And then I, I just set it up as if we were going to have coffee and um, play Scrabble. So I brought like a Scrabble board over to her dorm room and she reached into the bag with the, where you, where you draw the the tiles from. And there was the ring box thing in there. And then I opened the board. So, it, I mean, uh, you can tell, usually I'm a little more polished when I'm, I'm 
speaking on podcasts and everything like that, but it, it's a little embarrassing for me to go into all this. This is outside of my typical comfort zone. So, um, but that's that's how that's how we got engaged. Oh, that is so sweet. You know, that is totally normal. Whenever I have the men on my podcast and I ask asking these questions, they're like, wait a second, I don't talk about feelings and emotions. <laughs> yes, that's totally true. It's like, this is not something that you would ever hear on my podcast or on my video or anything like that. Usually I could just speak for an hour straight without, without you know, st stammering over my words. And this is where we're at today. So well, we'll get, okay, let's get to a definition though. Okay. Cause uh, I like to ask everybody who comes onto my podcast, what their own definition of marital interdependence is. And I kind of see that as something that makes a successful marriage, marital interdependence, like something that people probably might want to reach, reach for. What is that definition to you? I think for me, that is the idea of two things. One would be self-sacrifice. And then the other would be like synergy. Like in, in the business world, you think of synergy, like you can do more, you can sell more, you can make more in this unit, in the milieu, rather than as independent parts. The independent parts function and can do it, but together things go to a greater. It's two plus two equals 4.5 or two plus two equals five or something like that, rather than just um, the, the individual parts. And then self-sacrifice is, is another part of that, I think, which is kind of, okay, right now I would love to do this, but I can see that she needs help or she needs a break or sh we as a family need this and this and this. So instead of focusing on myself, I'm going to sacrifice for myself, which then leads to an improved experience, an improved connection as a, as a married couple or as a family. Ah, yeah, self-sacrifice. What, what does your spouse need? Can you give us an example of some time that's happened to you? I mean, because I'm sure that can't always be easy, right? Sure. Um, in the mornings, I get the kids ready and make breakfast and do those things so that she can have some prayer time to start her day and she can um, have her coffee in peace and quiet because she's at home <laughs> with them all day and homeschools and everything like that. So in the morning, like that's an example of self-sacrifice that like I enjoy that, like getting them ready and making breakfast and everything like that. I mean, I enjoy it with, with air quotes. Um, I would certainly rather like go to work or go exercise, not go to work, but go exercise or go get coffee with a friend or something like that. But I can self-sacrifice knowing that it's going to make her day better. It's going to make my day better because I'll know that she started off on a good fit, foot and then we'll get to enjoy our evenings more uh, and spend time more as a family because we're not focused on, you know, like keeping up with each other or counting or um, keeping score. Exactly. Yeah. I always find it really important to New, new couples tend to keep score sometimes, but uh, that can be a detriment. Yeah. Okay. So, and then, and let, let's talk about some of your, you know, some of your passions too, time management, because it sounds like you're able to do a lot. I mean, you're not only a pediatrician, but you write, you're writing a book, you have all the, you have multiple podcasts. You, I mean, you help a lot of parents, not just at work, but outside of that too. And you have five kids and a wife. <laughs> so how, how do you do it all? Right. So, I, I mean, I think for, for a lot of people, they look and they see like, wow, he's so busy. He must never spend time with his family or he must be on his laptop or recording stuff in the evenings. And, and she probably gets stuck with doing the dishes and folding the laundry and just like, you know, it's all that. But, but really, I think we focus first on our values um, and in our marriage and in our family life. Togetherness and connection is an important value. So you'll never find me after 5 p.m. on my laptop, like, 
for the entire evening, whether or not the kids are awake or um, the kids have gone to bed. And unless we both decide, you know, she wants to catch up on some work or scroll Instagram or something, and I want to catch up on this, we make that mutual decision to like get our laptops out. But otherwise, we just connect, we relax and spend time with each other because that value determines the priority, which is not writing po social media posts or writing a book or recording a podcast or something like that if togetherness is what we're, we're trying to achieve. And then if my other value is creating new content or um, having a bigger impact, then I need to figure out how to prioritize that into my life around the other priorities, which are higher, which means that I will record stuff while I'm at work. I have all the camera equipment and audio equipment and everything like that. So between patients, if I want, I can do a quick video then, or I wake up early in the morning to write so that it's not interfering with our family time when the kids get up um, they'll catch me on the computer working on, you know, book or writing or um, something like that, because that gives me energy. Like it doesn't feel like work. It feels like something that that I enjoy and I enjoy the process and I enjoy trying to figure out how to connect and, and share and those sort of things. So that's another value that I have. But the priority that's higher than that would be family life and connection and togetherness. And so I prioritize those things higher. And then when I have extra time or extra room, I will have the time to work on this passion. Okay. Well, I, I, I think listeners are still wondering, how are you fitting this in, in between patients and what time are you getting up? Because I have a lot of friends who come home, right. And are still doing charts and they, they were doing charts in between patients and they're still doing it at home. And oh my gosh, to get up early and do, yeah. What time do you get up and, and how are you fitting this in? <laughs> okay. I'll just walk through. Cause I think that is a, a common thing. It's like, how does he, does he do that all? And I'm, I don't want to sound like I'm trying to brag, but I want to just emphasize that like you can figure this stuff out if you put some intention to it. I get up at 445, which the time of waking up doesn't really matter as much as the time of going to bed. And so we go upstairs to go to bed like 930, 945. So I can get a good uh, what is that? Seven, 6.5, something like that hours of sleep. Um, and that's, that's what I need. And I can tell if I need more and we'll say, okay, let's go to bed early tonight because, um, I'm feeling a little tired and Friday nights I'm tired. Like everyone is on Friday nights. Um, we do, you know, take out pizza or something like that in family movie time. Cause everybody's exhausted like everyone else. Um, but then I'll exercise. I'll, I'll do a little bit of prayer time at 445 when I get up while I'm having my coffee and then exercise and then like get something done for my online stuff or creative stuff and then make breakfast for the kids. Fortunately, our kids, most of them are old enough now to dress themselves, which is a game changer. So if you're not there, like realize that eventually you will be there and then you will have kids that dress themselves and that's a game changer. And, and we have a very routinized morning. So they know at 7.30, everybody sits down at the table for breakfast, whatever you're doing. Um, and then we have breakfast together and then I leave for work. And then in between patients, I'm able to do that because I have a scribe and I have great templates and shortcuts that I put intention towards creating. Um, we didn't have a scribe program before I came to my, my practice, but I said, if I want to do more, if I want to create more and have that impact, then I can't spend my time filling out physical exam findings when I can just say, wow, it sounds like he's got left crackles in his left lower lobe. Um, and we're going to say this is pneumonia and we're going to prescribe him amoxicillin. I have a scribe that's a pre-medical student that's standing in the corner of the room that the patients probably love as much, if not more than me. And, and she's putting those things in and she's ordering the medications and ordering the follow-up referrals and those sorts of things so that 
when I leave the room, my note is done. The referrals are sent. The orders are sent. The prescriptions are sent. And then from there, I can go in my office and be like, okay, I got a little bit of time before my next patient. Um, why don't I do a video quick on pneumonia? Because I was just talking about that with the patient. It's really top of mind. Um, I'm going to do a video on that. And then I have some people that help me to actually like take that video that I did and edit it, post it on the appropriate platforms, make sure that it reaches the people that need to see it and then keep going with my day. So, I mean, those are the, the ways that I'm able to, to fit those things in. And then at home, we, we try and be really intentional about our time as well. I used to go to the grocery store on Tuesday mornings because it was my morning off and I would, you know, I'd go to Sam's and you have to take your own bags because they don't have bags there. And then I go to Hy-Vee, which is our local like regular grocery store. And that would take like two and a half hours. And, and sometimes I'd have a, a child with me or something like that. But it's a huge time suck. And and then Instacart. And we started using Instacart before the pandemic and like when it took off and DoorDash and all those sort of things. But what that did is it gave me two and a half hours back because I can spend 15 minutes making a grocery list and I might not get perfectly yellow bananas or the avocados might be a little less ripe or more ripe than, than I was envisioning when I put avocados on the list. But to have that two and a half hours back um, is huge for our, for our day. And so like making those decisions is something that we're intentional about too. So that like, if I'm tired, I can take a nap on Monday afternoons when I have off instead of going to the grocery store, because somebody can go to the grocery store that we're going to pay, you know, the Instacart tip. I'll, I'll spend less money because I can't go shopping, you know, uh, for all the, the items that you might find at Sam's that were not on the list that you really need at that moment um, because they only shop for what they shop for. And so things like that actually save time and money and um, gives us time back to, to spend on other things that are important to us. So I think those like, I guess, delegating and automating is an important part of that for, for me at work and for, for our home life too, to, to make more time to connect and be together as a family. Oh, that's beautiful. How long did that take you to get that down pat, like everything in the exam room, your, your scribe doing your note, you're ordering the medications. I mean, you leave the room with everything done. It takes time for sure. Yeah. I mean, it's like, it's slow at first. You have to train a scribe, you have to find a scribe. Um, and luckily I figured out how to find scribes and I've helped other physicians find scribes too, because like, once you know where to look, um, I made a workshop on it once too, because people kept asking me like, how do you find a scribe? And, um, you have to train them and you have to show them and they have to know what medications to use. And if I say ear infection and then I say seftonir, then she knows like the dosing and puts it in and shows it to me to make sure it's right. And then I say, yep. And she finds out the pharmacy and all those things. I mean, those things take time, but just like the synergy of interdependence, you're, you're, uh, we're interdependent too, in a way in that, like we're able to do more as a, as a team, as a medical team, because I rely upon somebody else to help me do those things. Whereas I could, do them myself. I could get oh another medicine. I'm gonna have to do this, and it always gets messed up. And my notes aren't as good as I'd like them to be because I just don't have time, or everything's spilling over into my evenings and into my parenting and marriage and all those things. Like it takes time to set those things up, but then once you set them up, it does save you more and more time every day because you just get all that time back, and you know that the system is in place. That if I say Seftonir, she knows what the dose is for a ten kilogram kid, and she sends that into the pharmacy, and and there's no nothing lost in the shuffle. I don't have to go back and remember. Oh my gosh, you know, three hours ago I saw a patient, and I totally forgot to send their prescription in because I did this and get flustered and all those things. Like once you have those things figured out, then going forward, it just makes your life that much more manageable, and you're able to take on more things that that give you drive and energy and passion once you figure out how to get rid of those low-hanging fruit that you kind of hate doing. 
Got it. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, the time you put in investing into setting up the system is definitely worth it. And then what about at home? Because five kids, one on the way, almost six kids, maybe more, who knows? <laughs> right. Who knows? How do you um, teach? How do you teach your your children the value of like mommy and daddy time? Or do you guys do that? Do you guys have couple time? How do you guys? In I think um, the way that you teach that is just by modeling that, and s then they see the positive results of their parents are together. Um, they're connecting. They're smiling. They're laughing. They're talking. That's how you model that and show them that that is important. You also talk to them about it. Like, hey, we're going to go out on a date night tonight. Oh, we're going to miss you. Well, I know I'll miss you too. But it's important for us to have time um, as mom and dad together to just connect and, and talk about you guys and, and all of those sorts of things. Um, you just model that and you show them that it's important and you show up when you're able to, knowing that you can't always be there. You can't be there for everything because you have work and you have life and you have your health and wellness and other people that need you, but you just do the best you can at modeling those things. And then they see that and they, they see the fruits of the work that it takes to put into that, into your marriage, into your time, into your maintaining your home and all the different things that are on your plate. Right. And I assume you have some good babysitter options that we keep a long list of babysitters. COVID has definitely thrown us for a loop and my wife being pregnant, we've just kind of um, not done as many day nights as usual, but in the, the pre-pandemic, we would try and go out at least twice a month and then do at least two trips as a couple um, each year to somewhere without the kids so that we could show them the value and we could enjoy the time together um, as well. And then I think they just see the fruits of the labor, the fruits of that time away is, is it's not that we're choosing to not be with them or that we don't love them. We're choosing that this is part of the synergy of our family too, is that when mom and dad are connected and happy and, and having that time together, that that spills over into the connectedness and time that we have with our kids. Yeah, the love in the home. And who, who watches the kids when you do these twice yearly, or when you used to do the twice yearly trips before COVID? So um, a babysitter. My, my yes, uh, we have loving family that are nearby. But to ask them to watch four or five kids <laughs> for a week is, is a lot. And then I, I think um, it's hard not to feel bad when one of them throws up in the middle of the night or poops their pants or, you know, throws the remote at the TV or something like that. If it's your family and you're then you're on vacation thinking, oh, my gosh, I hope that they're just being good and, and not giving them any trouble. And gosh, how are we going to make it up to them? Instead, we just have a, a sitter that we trust and that can just that stays at our house so that she can drive our minivan and drop the kids off where they need to go when they need to go somewhere and they can live their normal lives and we can order them groceries from Cancun because we have Instacart, you know, and if they need something from the grocery store, we don't want her to have to take five kids to the grocery store. So you could do that from abroad. Um, and so it does cost money, but it also, um, the benefit outweighs the, the cost certainly to, to have a sitter, to just have that totally off your plate and be like, I know that Jessica is going to take care of whatever comes up. And unless they're going to the emergency room, I doubt that she's going to text me with any specific questions because she knows our kids. She knows how our family operates and, and things will just happen and we'll check in when we're able to. A hundred percent. And then, and so what have you been doing since you aren't maybe going out as much? Um, or maybe, you know, maybe things are changing slowly. I don't know what they're like in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, but what have you been doing during the pandemic to keep that love and connection, even though you may not be able to do it outside of the house? 
a couple different things. One would be we are building a house right now. So that is a chance to connect is talking over those things and sitting down on the couch and looking through all the different plans and options and blah, blah, blah that goes along with building a home. And and usually we're able to enjoy our time doing that. Um, uh, because we have a shared vision. It can be stressful for sure, but we have a shared vision of like what we want our house to be like. We have a shared vision of, you know, how much it's going to cost and what the amenities and all those things are. So it rarely causes much, um, friction. And then we do, um, occasionally at least once or twice a month, try and like have the kids eat dinner while we don't eat dinner. And then we get dinner either like delivered or something like that from one of the restaurants that we would previously frequent when before the pandemic and then we'll have dinner while the kids watch a movie or maybe we'll wait until the kids go to bed to to have dinner so that we can just connect and have a chance to catch up and talk with as if it were a, a date night at home date night and we used to do that before the pandemic too to some extent if it had been a while or you couldn't find a sitter or something like that then that would be something that we would do just to to have that chance to connect and you know then it saves us from having to cook a, a nicer meal and they can just eat, you know, DiGiorno pizza or um, chicken nuggets or whatever they love. And then we can get the food that we want. And it, <laughs> if we get them like the fancy Thai food or Indian food or whatever we want to eat or sushi or something like that, like they don't love it as much as we do. So <laughs> they can have their chicken nuggets while we have sushi after they're done. And you, and yeah, and you have to be a master sleep trainer when you have five, almost six kids, right? So everybody's got to go to sleep. Yes, that is so important. I, I mean, I feel like I've honed that down to a science. Like all of our kids go up to bed at 730 from the 10-year-old to the two-year-old. Um, and then they're mostly quiet. I go and read to them for a little bit. Uh, to We have a boy's room and then we have a girl's room. And I go and read to them in their room for 10 minutes or so. Uh, and then lately our four-year-old has been not wanting to be read to. So I kind of just sit in there um, while, while she colors or does her thing. And then we're able to just have some time in the evening. Nice. Okay. Well, let's shift over a little bit to the household finances too, because I want to know. I'm so efficient at everything else. How do you take? How does? How are the household finances managed between you and your wife? That's probably our area of most weakness. I will tell you is that's just something that like we've never um, had the best budgeting system. We tried all sorts of budgeting systems during residency and things like that. And it, it was like nothing ever worked perfect with the envelopes or the you need a budget or all of the different models that you can do for like household budgeting and things like that. Instead, I think we focus at least now on um, again, on our values. So does what we're spending our money on support our values? And sometimes our values are just like getting out of the house and getting away from the kids for a little bit. And so it supports, you know, a fancier dinner or babysitter and those sorts of things. But I think we both have a good shared vision of, of what we want for our family, what we want for our, our finances and what makes us feel secure where we're at financially right now and looking forward. And then there, we just don't have that many uh, disagreements about finances because of that, we are blessed, privileged, however you want to describe it, that we are in a place financially where we don't have to um, haggle over groceries or something like that, which I know a lot of families are not in that place. But we, we just try and be thoughtful about that. And then we do sit down. We do like a family meeting, the two of us on Sunday evenings, typically where we look at how things are going, where things are at, both from a financial standpoint, what our schedule looks like for the week, what are the things where we're going to need a babysitter. Um, and so that's part of that discussion that we have too. And if things are tighter for a month in terms of finances or something like that, we'll be on the same page and know, okay, let's 
let's wait until next month to 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 do this or purchase that or something like that. So yeah, there's always definitely always room for improvement. We're always growing too, Victor and I. Like, what can we do better? How can we manage manage things better? Because things just continue to get more complicated as we go on. For sure. What do you say to the people? Because you're a pediatrician, right? And your wife stays is a full time mom, right? She stays home and takes the kids. So you know, I I hear from a I hear this a lot, like when the pediatrician or the primary care physician, family medicine, whatever, you know, primary care specialty it is, they're the breadwinner and they feel like they can't do anything or they feel like they're struggling. Like you say, we're, you, you said we're well off. You know, I know a lot of people have to worry about their groceries. You don't have to worry about it. What, what would you, what message would you say to those people who are like, oh, well, I'm, you know, I have a pediatrician salary. Remember, remember, I can't afford that. Like I'm right. I mean, I think, oh, that's a really good question. Do you feel that way? Well, I certainly see the Medscape, um, you know, salary surveys and breakdown and uh, pediatrician, infectious disease doctor and primary care doctor are always at the, the bottom of the list. And uh, I think they're important, obviously. Um, I mean, everybody's important uh, and everybody contributes. And I, I wouldn't want to be a dermatologist or a uh, cardiothoracic surgeon for those reasons, but I'm glad that they exist because sometimes I need them for my patients and sometimes I need them for my own health and well-being. But um, I think that, again, I mean, I just kind of go back to values, values, values. What is it that you value the most? Does our spending habits align with our values? And if they do, then it shouldn't be too much of an issue in the long term. And then it comes down to, well, how could I be more efficient at work? If I, if I, if my values are this, this, and this, and our financial standing does not support this and this and this, well, then what needs to change? We either need to change our value on the things that we want to purchase, or we need to increase the pay that we're bringing home. And is there a way to do that? Maybe there isn't a way to do that. And then we need to look at, well, is this the right place for me? If my values are this, this, and this, the money that we need to support those values is this, and I don't make that much money, then something has to change. Um, or maybe I could see more patients and be more efficient with seeing patients. Like the idea of having a scribe as a pediatrician, people are like, well, how do you do that? You're a pediatrician. Well, I look at the, the cost of having a pre-medical student that is with me versus seeing an extra patient per hour versus coding appropriately because my documentation supports that. I mean, it, it the, the cost of the scribe is well overcome by all of the benefits from seeing more patients, uh, coding appropriately, those sorts of things. And so the, I guess the long-winded answer is your values drive how much money you need to support your lifestyle. And something has to give if you feel like this isn't working for us from a financial standpoint. I don't know. That's pretty long-winded. I don't, I don't know if I captured that very well, but. I think so. I think what you're trying to say is you just have to evaluate all your options, tackle it at every angle, right? If you need to move, find a different practice, make your systems more efficient, whatever, evaluate what, yeah, what it is that you're actually spending your money on and what's bringing you joy. There's, there's a lot of different variables in this equation of money that we have versus things that we want. I don't know if that's where they go, actually. You just have to look at those variables and say, these are fixed. I can't adjust my mortgage. Well, I could if I sold my house and bought a less expensive house. 
but I don't really want to do that. That seems aggressive. What other variable can I shift? There must be a variable somewhere that I can shift in order to make the equation work from a financial um, security and comfort standpoint. No, and I mean, you're right. That does seem aggressive, but some people can actually can take some pretty drastic aggressive measures. I live with somebody who's, who's a super, super aggressive about moving around and renting our house out all the time. So, <laughs> <laughs> Yes, that would be hard for us to do because um, six, five kids, it's tough to move them um, to, to a different place or the expense is too great. So yeah, but but yes, that is, I mean, there's lots of options. It's, it's oftentimes just like sitting with it and thinking, well, how do other people do it? And asking them how they do it or figuring out which variables can be adjusted and which ones are fixed and then adjusting the, the variables that can be adjusted. And do you talk about the same things at home because you are going to have six kids and five kids now? Like some people say, oh, we can't afford to have more than two kids. We just wouldn't be able to afford it. Do we talk about that as a couple? Meaning like, should we have more or? Or how much you spend on each kid? And is it an added expense that you're, you can handle? Like, is that a discussion or is it just, no, this is what we want. This is our family and we're just going to make it work. The latter, the make it work. I mean, it's just our value is having our family and peace and all those things and togetherness. And this is our vision for our family. So it's not really like doing the math of is it appropriate to have another child? Um, I guess, and and to be more specific or strategic about it, I don't find that it it adds a lot to the to the budget in in the day to day until you get, if you, if you have really high tuition, that would like for your, for your growing children, if you go to parochial school and it's $10,000 per kid per year, that adds up. But um, then, and then that the variable to change there would be to move to a lower cost of living place or send them to public school or something like that. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's variables that can be adjusted to support that model as well. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Well, as we wrap up here, uh, are there any big take-home points or things you want to re-emphasize to our listeners today about medicine, parenting, met marriage, or money? Look at what your values are. That's the number one thing. And oftentimes we get really bogged down with the obligations that we have rather than what our values are. And so then our obligations become, I have to do this, this, and this, and I have to chart in the evenings, and I have to do all these things and be on this committee um, and all those things. Are these supporting my values, my personal values, my family values, um, the, the values uh, for our marriage? If they're not, then adjust the variables to the place where they are supporting that. And it might take a lot of shifting. It might be saying no, or saying I can't do that anymore, or I need to do this instead. But at the end of the day, nobody else is going to do that and nobody else cares as much about you or your marriage or your family as you do. And so no one else is going to just out of the blue say, hey, it seems like, you know, you could use extra money. Um, let's give you some extra money because I bet that would help at home. And nobody's gonna say, hey, I bet you could use a couple extra hours per week. Let's get you a scribe so that you can do that. Like nobody's thinking of those things that are important to you except for you. And so start with the values and then work your way out from there. What priorities fit with our values and then what obligations fit with our priorities and our values. And then from there, adjust the variables. Oh, that is perfect. Yes, nobody cares about your family more than you do. You care the most. So definitely values, values, values. Well, that's perfect. Okay, Dr. Boucher, where can people find you? I have a podcast called Raising Good Parents. I have a podcast called High Yield Physicians. and websites and Instagrams and Facebooks and everything like that, that, that go along with those. Um, those are the main places to find me. 
Okay, perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us this morning. It has been a pleasure. Such a fabulous show. Before we finish up, don't forget to visit locumstory.com or drpodcastnetwork.com forward slash locumstory to get real, unbiased answers to all your locum tenants questions. What a fabulous interview with Dr. Phil Boucher. So my three big take-home points from Dr. Phil. Number one. Know when to place the needs of your spouse or children above your own needs and when to prioritize your own self-care or your own needs above those of others. This is an important distinction that often does not come naturally. We learn as we go. Some of us may be more nurturing and often place our needs well below the people who we're the people who are dependent upon us, which could be our children or a spouse. And others of us may just be super independent and raised a certain way where we've just been conditioned to place our needs above others. So this is this is this can be tricky. And a good question to ask is how do I want to make my family's life better in this situation, whatever situation you find yourself in? Another good question to ask yourself in any moment, I'll b- borrow this from my dear friend, Dr. Alexandra Stockwell, who recently came to speak with my Women Physicians Coaching Group. She offers to ask ourselves, what does everyone in this family need right now, including me? Those last two words are very important. I'm going to repeat that. What does everyone in this family need right now, including me? An example may be when things are going crazy, when you're getting dinner ready, the kids are running around, your spouse may be uh, running late home from work, stopping at the bank, doing errands, whatever. And maybe you just need some time. You know, maybe that's when you stick your kids in front of the TV and you don't you're not keeping track of screen time. Maybe, maybe they're going to feed themselves. <laughs> I don't know how young they are. Maybe you're going to bring a babysitter in. Whatever it is you need, make sure you fulfill that and then organize or arrange all the other variables to make sure those who are dependent upon you, they get their needs met at the same time. When I'm overwhelmed or angry or when I victimize myself, I have learned, and this is me personally, Kate Mangona, <laughs> I get overwhelmed, I get anxious, I get angry too. I definitely victimize myself. Uh, I, I learn that when I'm doing that, that I, I recognize it right away. And I can either continue to react to the situation and inflate whatever's going on, heighten the, the, the anxiety, the conflict within my household, or I can just recognize what I'm doing, figure out what has triggered me, and just go take that 10 or 15 minutes that I need to, to reset. This is so important for me because in the heat of the moment, my amygdala has taken over me. Maybe I go take a shower. Maybe I just go organize my closet because I like doing that. And then I'll come back and I'll return with a slightly different attitude and thought process. Instead of letting my feelings take over me and reacting, blaming somebody else, or what my own feelings and thoughts are. Just a suggestion, just something I've noticed that I need. 
Number two, do not wait for someone else to make your life more efficient. Do it yourself, either at home or at work. If you crave efficiency, like my husband with his engineer mind, and you notice wasted time at work, and this bothers you, instead of focusing on the problem, suggest a solution. Just like when you're negotiating, you don't focus on the problem or what you want. You focus on the solution, what you're going to bring to the table, what you, what options you can provide. Present two, three or two best options to your group. If neither option is adopted, then create one for yourself. Again, ask yourself, what do you need in this situation? Are, do you need to create your own templates? Do you need to find your own scribe? Get creative. Find, find alternative methods. How can you work around the solution so that you don't go insane with the inefficiency? Number three, create shared values with your spouse. If you and your spouse feel like dis, you've disconnected, your life has become overwhelmed by work or by chores or by children, and you no longer have those shared shared experiences or shared values or shared you know, nights alone that you used to have all the time, make a list. Make a list of what your shared values are. Are they the same? Is it family time? Is it a clean, tidy home? Is it experiences, trips, material items? Nothing wrong with that. Charity, is it giving, donating? And notice if your shared values support increased spending habits. As Dr. Phil mentioned, if your shared values do increase, support increased spending habits, maybe luxurious vacations, expensive items, then figure out how you're going to increase your salary, how you're going to fit that in the budget. And also evaluate what variables can be shifted in your home to help align what your current financial situation may be. What current variables can you shift around to support your spending habits? Can you move to a smaller home? Can you rent? Can you put the kids in public school instead of private? These are all major life decisions, but they're decisions that people have to make every day. That is it, my friends. Go spread love into this world. Walk away asking yourself, do I have a good balance between self-care and self-sacrifice? What can I delegate in my life? How can my spouse and I create more shared values? And do my values support my spending habits? That is it, my friends. Okay, so a love, 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 love to you and your spouse. Come back and join me next week. As always, if you enjoyed anything about this podcast, please share it with a friend. Give us a five-star review. Leave us a little snippet in Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. I love it and I appreciate it. Always reach out to me. I'm available on Instagram and Facebook and love to talk to my people. So thanks for finding me. And I will see you next time. Much love to you and your spouse. The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional, medical, or financial advice. 
The opinions provided on this podcast are those of myself or the invited guest alone. They do not represent the opinions of any particular institution. Always seek the advice of your physician or financial advisor with any questions you may have of a medical condition or financial plan. This is for your entertainment only.